Welcome to the Asians Redefining Their Success podcast, where Asian professionals share their stories of breaking boundaries and switching into more creative and unconventional careers. I am your host, Yangshi Zhou. Hello, everyone. Happy Filipino American History Month and happy National Women's Small Business Month. How fun! So, in celebration of this, this week we have Jenna Pasquale on as a guest. Jenna is a certified laughter yoga leader, registered yoga teacher, and life coach based in San Francisco. After losing her mom to cancer when she was 15 and being diagnosed with repetitive stress syndrome while working at Facebook, she is now on a mission to help people live happier, healthier lives. She not only teaches laughter yoga to corporate companies so that employees can be more of themselves, but also coaches women of color, particularly Asian women, gain confidence to create their own life path, as well as topics around body shame and sensuality. So one of the things I love about Jenna and so interesting because we only met once before this recording, but I love that she is unabashedly and unapologetically herself, whether it's laughing into the camera by herself during a Facebook live, over a yoga session, or sharing stories of her life. So I hope you'll be inspired by her as much as I did. She'll also be speaking at the Pinaista Summit this weekend. The summit is a three-day event and Jenna will be speaking on Saturday, so be sure to check her out. And I do apologize if I mispronounced it. I did ask a Filipino friend to help me, um, so I am trying my best um, pronouncing the name of the summit. And as a special treat for the podcast listeners, Jenna actually takes me through a laughter yoga exercise, which was pretty eye-opening, and it's an exercise that you can do along with me while listening, so stay tuned for that in this episode. Hey, Jenna, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So excited for you to be here, um, and yeah, it's been a while since... <laughs> It's been a while since we reconnected, so uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about you, what career you were in, and what you're up to now. Yeah, so I used to work in tech. I grew up in Silicon Valley, and I started off you know, my career working at tech startups. So my first job was actually um, a sales assistant at Box, which is an online file storage company. And at Box, I actually wore multiple hats. So I did a little bit of sales and customer service. And then I also transitioned into HR and recruiting. Mm -hmm. And then I spent about four years doing marketing and learning and development at Facebook. And then I moved on to other smaller startups and did more learning and development and marketing and communications. And I was also an office manager and an executive assistant. So I did a little bit of everything in the non-tech side of things. And now I teach laughter yoga. I also teach regular yoga and I also um, life coach for Asian American women. Super exciting. So tell us more about 
what inspired the change, right? Um, and then we'll go into like this laughter yoga thing later because that's also super unique and special. But first, um, what prompted you to like want to change? Was there like a catalyst or, you know, something that happened that shifted something for you? Yes, uh, it really started with my health. While I was working at Facebook, I was diagnosed with repetitive stress syndrome. So I started seeing how my physical body was deteriorating. I, mm. I maybe use the word deteriorating, but you know, I was experiencing physical pain. And that, um, that led me to practicing yoga daily. And, but it wasn't just that, I was really just not, I wasn't, I wasn't fulfilled with my job. I felt like there was something more that I wanted to do in life. So every day I just started getting more unhappy and less satisfied with my job. And then uh, I was also with a guy for eight years. My relationship ended and, and then things at work started. I, had, I got a new manager and then I didn't really get along with my new manager. So it was just a lot of unhappiness mm -hmm. <laughs> in life in general. And I just wanted to get out of the country. And another thing that really prompted my career change too was um, my mother died when I was 15. And, you know, I think just losing her and realizing how precious life was, I just knew that I couldn't spend another day doing something that I wasn't passionate about. Yeah. And then one day you were like, I'm going to quit. Or did you think about the decision for a while? So what's really interesting is I actually got laid off. I took that as an opportunity to really try something different. You know, I thought it was like a sign from the universe, like here, <laughs> chance to really do something you love. And because I was really dealing with the grief of losing my mother when I was 15, um, and at the time I was about 29, so it was almost 15 years of not being able to fully grieve and express my grief. Mm -hmm. uh, she didn't get to travel much when she was younger. And so I knew that I wanted to travel with her in spirit. And I had no idea what type of career I wanted to pursue, but I knew that I needed to travel. And I knew that traveling would help me rediscover myself. And I knew everything would just fall into place. Like once I got out of San Francisco and just put myself in a different um, environment. So yeah, traveling is a huge, huge part of it. Mm. Yeah, I, I know a lot of people do like their find my purpose after <laughs> tech traveling. And yeah, I just want to say um, that I saw, I think it was on your mom's birthday or like Mother's Day. I saw a picture of you honoring your mom and having like, I think it was some food with a picture of her and that picture was really, really touching. So it, yeah, it's, um, it's really poignant that you decide to go on a trip to honor her as well yeah like just traveling with her in spirit was really really heartfelt and meaningful for me and another thing that I also think about too is because right now I'm really into astrology mm. I don't know if you know about the whole Saturn return I've and heard about it something I want to get more into actually and so that usually happens around when you're like 28 to 30. Mm. So I was 29 and I, you know, I used the online Saturn return calculator and uh -huh. it was actually 
exactly around that time frame. Like when I was on this trip, like I was going through my Saturn return. So that was, you know, an interesting thing to find out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Tell me a little bit more about Saturn return. I am about to turn 28 ah. in December, in December, but tell us a little bit about that. Cause I feel like some of the listeners might be within this age range yeah. or close to it. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not an expert. I'm not going to claim that I'm an expert, but from what I do know is that it's a time in your life where things where major shifts happen. Mm. So, you know, things like getting out of a, a relationship or, you know, a, um, leaving a job or just like major life changes start to happen. And it's mm-hmm. to help you realign with your purpose. Mm. So it's like a little gift from the universe to put you back <laughs> on your life path. <laughs> I love that. I love that you, you, your perspective is that it's a little gift because I think it's so easy to think about like oh my gosh I just had my quarter life crisis (laughs) now I'm gonna have another (laughs) crisis in five years (laughs) so I love that perspective and you made uh or you started traveling and basically making a career change when you were um, 29 like close to 30 and I feel like um something that I've heard from a lot of people is you know I fear that it's too late and I hear this from like 25 year olds so I'm curious for you if you had that thought and and what was your thinking around it yeah um so I actually I never have thought that and I think Hmm. it's because I have a brother who's five years older than me and he really has been a great role model for me he's super fun and you know just I keep, you know, I know in my head that he's five years older, but he acts like, I I don't want to say he acts like a kid, but you know, he just has so much fun. Like he has so much fun and energy. So I'm always like, oh yeah, it's never, I don't ever feel old because I have this older brother who just lives life to the fullest. So I always feel like I have this young spirit in me, Mm. but I do have a lot of friends though, who, you know, who feel that way. Um, one of my best friends, she's about 26 right now, and I feel like she's going through the same thing. <laughs> she's like, oh, I don't know what to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I've never felt that way. Hmm. No. That's pretty cool, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then you said you were traveling. How did you discover meditation, yoga, and is that what led you to laughter yoga? Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you asked this question. So, you know, what my one of my goals for traveling was really just to go to 30 different countries before I turned 30. Mm. That was the main goal. It wasn't, you know, to discover meditation or to practice meditation or even to do a a yoga teacher training. It it all kind of just fell into place. So while I was on my trip, I noticed that I was still acting the same way because I really one of the goals was to go to 30 different countries and also to come back as a different person I didn't want to come back with the same habits and in my 20s I was I was a party girl I would drink a lot you know I would I was going clubbing and dancing with my friends all the time and I found myself doing the same thing um, out in, in South America and I was like one day I woke up you know, after a night clubbing Mm -hmm. and I was like, wow, this is not why I came here. Like I wanted, I wanted to do something more spiritual or to really learn more about myself and really invest in personal development. So I I actually started crying. I was like, what am I doing here? What, what do I do? And I just started having a conversation with my mom, Mm -hmm. like, 
I was just like, mom, like, please help me. What do I do? And this thought just popped into my head and Vipassana. Vipassana came into my head, but I had actually met two people at the time when I had this, when I was having this conversation with my mom, I was in Peru, but maybe a month before that I was in Ecuador and I had met two people that had just finished a Vipassana retreat or course. And so I think they planted the seeds and then when you know, having that little mini meltdown crying, um, Vipassana came into my head and I was like, okay, I'm going to look this up. So, you know, I took out my phone, I Googled Vipassana and I tried to go, go somewhere for a Vipassana course. And I had never heard of it. I didn't really know what it was, but to my surprise, this thing was sold out everywhere. I don't know, yeah. know anything about Vipassana, mm -hmm, but I was mm -hmm. like, wow, I didn't know it was this popular meditation course. <laughs> and so I was literally clicking on, because there's a map on the website, I was clicking on every single country in South America to try to go to this Vipassana course. And every country was sold out. And so I actually, the only country that wasn't sold out was Bolivia. Oh, wow. Okay. And, but then the, the Bolivia, the Bolivia course opened like the next day. So I felt like it was another sign. So, you know, the application process started the next day. So the next day I applied to Bolivia and then I got in. So, you know, that was the sign. I was like, okay, I'm going to Bolivia. And that 10 day silent meditation course was my intro to meditation. I had never meditated a day in my life before that. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I knew it was a silent meditation, but that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was going to ask, did you prepare for it? Because 10 days is no joke, right? I've been thinking about whether to go and I'm, I always feel like, oh man, 10 days is a really long time. <laughs> yeah. And then when I got there, um, I would say the first three days were challenging because mm, I had never meditated before, but it was also like a mini vacation. Like I tend to talk a lot, so it was nice just not having to talk <laughs> and not, yeah. So I actually loved it. I actually enjoyed all 10 days. I didn't even want to talk. You know, when we were allowed to talk, I didn't really want to because I was just enjoying it so much. And it was really the first time I got to really think about losing my mother. So I think for mm. me, it was the first time I processed the grief of my mother. So I really enjoyed just being alone in my grief during those 10 days. The only, the only thing I would have to say, though, is because I love laughing, is that I would burst out laughing. <laughs> Really? <laughs> like at night, I just, oh, I needed to let it out. So oh my maybe that was a little bit of cheating, but yeah, I would laugh. <laughs> wow. And then um, as part of that too, uh, I met a woman from that meditation course who told me about a yoga teacher training, a yoga teacher training in Guatemala. So that's what led me to my yoga teacher training later on during wow. that seven month trip that I took. Yeah. How long was it? It was a seven month trip. Wow. And the Vipassana was probably three months into that seven month trip. Mm -hmm. so I kept, I really just kept following the signs. I really, so what I did is I bought a one-way ticket to Columbia. I had no idea what I was gonna do. I had no idea where I was gonna go. 
I didn't know when I was going to come back home and just followed my heart in every country. I felt like I was receiving messages and signs from people of where to go next. So I would just listen. That's amazing. (laughs) I know someone listening right now is probably like, okay, how did you afford this? Because I think there is that like this belief surrounding travel that like it's like really expensive or you need a lot of money. I just came back from a six month trip and I don't feel like that's completely true. Um, but I, w- I would like to hear your take on how did you make it possible? Yeah, I definitely, you know, I had to look at my budget. I definitely budgeted. Um, I tried to take as many buses, and things like that instead of flying. Um, but I also just really put a lot of trust in the universe. I knew that, you know, the universe, I always, or I believe that the universe always has your back and no matter what, you know, things will happen to make it happen. Whatever you desire out there, things will align. To be honest, I I didn't know how much money I was going to spend because I didn't know how long I would be gone for. But I knew in my head that I had enough for six months. Like I didn't care for that. Yeah. And I I stayed in hostels. So, you know, I tried to make it as cheap as possible along the way because I wanted my money to last. So I did a little bit of prep. (laughs) Yeah. And also, I remember when I was traveling and living in SF, like sometimes traveling will be cheaper than the rent in SF. So. Yeah. And and that too, like once you're out of the country, like everything, mm-hmm. you know, in most countries, everything is so much cheaper. Yeah. And then so how did you get into laughter yoga and become a laughter yoga preneur? Yeah. Um, so when I was in Nicaragua, this was before my yoga teacher training, I met a yoga teacher who was, you know, giving me advice. And she told me to, you know, maybe or start thinking about what type of yoga I would want to specialize in. And at the time, I didn't know what I wanted to specialize in. I didn't even know all the types of yoga. And she noticed that I love to laugh and, you know, and and so she she suggested laughter yoga. And I didn't know what laughter yoga was. But again, I feel like she planted the seeds. Mm -hmm. And after my yoga teacher training, I thought I wanted to teach kids yoga because I love kids. That was my initial thought. But when I got home, I Googled laughter yoga, and then I found that there was a free laughter yoga class at UCSF. Wow. I attended the class, and I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know who would show up. And it was actually a class. Most of them were cancer patients and recovering cancer patients. Mm. And it really touched my heart because my mother passed away from cancer. Mm. And all these people were just so lit up and full of joy and love. Aww. And they really brought so much joy to my day. I thought I would be going. I thought I would mm-hmm. go in there with my laugh, you know, you know, <laughs> uplifting there but I truly received a gift from everyone in that room and I just knew that I had to start teaching laughter yoga because I loved it so much and it really is like giving and receiving so for me even though I lead and facilitate these laughter classes I am receiving so much more from the people that you know attend my classes Mm, I love that Right away, yeah. Just from that one class, I knew I wanted to teach. I talked to the teacher after class. 
um, and she had a training coming up and so I knew again I knew it I felt other side I was like every yeah universe is providing <laughs> yeah so um yeah I started teaching laughter yoga um but to be honest I started teaching laughter yoga because I didn't feel confident enough to teach regular yoga hmm. so there was a little bit of that you know I know a lot of women experience imposter syndrome and when I was teaching regular yoga back then I did feel a lot of that I felt like an imposter, you know, at the time I had only been practicing yoga for maybe, or not even two years, it, you know, it was like less than, less than two years. So I didn't feel confident enough to be teaching. Um, so I kind of use laughter yoga as, you know, I was like, oh, I feel confident with my laugh. I'm going to teach. <laughs> but I feel like, you know, laughter yoga truly is a spiritual experience as well. It's a form of meditation for me, you know, to truly laugh, you have to truly be present. Like you can't laugh and think about something else at the same time. When you're laughing, you're fully in it. So I like to think of laughter yoga as a gateway to other forms of meditation, other forms of yoga. And for those who are intimidated by yoga or feel like they're not flexible or strong enough to regular yoga, I highly recommend starting with laughter yoga because you really just need a willingness to laugh. You don't even need a yoga mat, no <laughs> experience necessary. You don't even need to put on workout clothes. <laughs> so it's great. Yeah. <laughs> so what's like something small that they can, for people listening that they can get started, like can they just start laughing? And I will admit, <laughs> I was watching one of your Facebook live videos where you were laughing and I tried to do it. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm upstairs. Am I being too loud? Like, is my mom going to think I'm, you know, like something is wrong with me because I'm just like randomly laughing. So there's like these fears that come up too, right? So yeah, how can someone just let go for maybe five minutes and just get that start? So that is actually the beauty of laughter yoga as well, because, you know, I think as, as, in society, we we are, we're so afraid to show our true selves. We're so afraid of what other people think of us. Mm. So in laughter yoga, it is a practice like any other practice. We practice laughing for no reason while letting go of what other people will think about us, you know? So I actually, I had, I had a, I was working with a client yesterday and he was in his office practicing laughter yoga and he told me he was he was he was being self-conscious because he was like I I'm I'm worried about what people outside of my office are thinking you know as I'm laughing hysterically in my office <laughs> and you know, I told him I was like that's part of it just surrender just let go stop worrying about what other people think of you so you know it's just like yeah like really let like it's a practice of not being self-conscious about what you sound like what you might look like letting go of what other people might think you know and yeah, well, that's it's so meta yeah um but but to start a laughter yoga practice at home yeah it's really just laughing for no reason when in laughter yoga the reason why we do voluntary laughter is because it helps activate the right side of the brain mm. and you know that's part of the creativity part and part about it's really just letting go not analyzing it <laughs> as opposed to using jokes, comedy, or humor. So in laugh, in, in, when we watch a funny movie, for example, or you know, go to a comedy show, we actually use the left side of our brain to laugh because we have to process and analyze if the joke is funny or not. 
Interesting. But in laughter yoga, when we laugh for no reason, that's when we truly get to give the left side of our brain a, a rest and we get to activate the right side of the brain. So you really just start laughing. Um, I There are laughter exercises that you can do to help start the laughter. But again, just start off with, with first just tapping in or, you know, just connecting with your breath and letting go of any expectations, letting go of what other people think of you, and also letting go of what you think of yourself. You know, especially women, I feel like we self-criticize and we're so hard on ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, just give yourself all that love. Like, <laughs> who cares what you sound like? Just have fun. And laughter yoga is all about letting the inner child come out and play. So it's also a practice of just you know, giving yourself permission to just be yourself and to just be a kid, you know? You know, it's not about being, and I think another fear that people might have with laughter yoga is they think it's it's childish, you know, act this way. But I don't think it's childish. I think it's childlike. I think there's a huge difference between being childish and being childlike. And with childlike, I, I think of this, you know, curious, wondrous like you're just you know you're so the like the childlike sense of wonder is what I love about laughter yoga so before you start your practice just think of it as like a curiosity like what what could laughter yoga bring to my life as opposed to like ah I'm scared like what am I gonna sound like (laughs) this is crazy um but again all of those thoughts are are normal they're common you know people are afraid to try laughter yoga but again just surrender to being present and just try it you know life is all about experimenting life is all about trying new things so just put the you know taking that leap of faith and just you know, trying it. <laughs> so, um, would you like to try a laughter exercise with me? Yeah, I want to do it with you so the, the listeners can do it with us too. Yeah. Uh, one quick question before we start is, so it's possible for anyone who's wondering this, so it's possible just to laugh for no reason, right? Like, because I feel like oftentimes we always have to like have a reason for things. And so it might feel a little weird to be like, oh, can I really laugh without reason because blah 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 like we don't need that you don't need that nope Mm. yeah so in laughter yoga we also um incorporate like sometimes we incorporate clapping or we we incorporate different types of laughter to like mix it up a little bit so that people don't have to think so much but you could make it sound however you like um there's also something called silent laughter for those that you know are (laughs) want to try silent laughter but (laughs) Yeah, there's many Interesting. types of laughter. <laughs> wow, okay, cool. Well, yeah, I'm ready. And I invite the listeners to do this with us. So this one, we'll, we'll do it with clapping. And it's just as simple. Um, or actually, why don't we start off with some simple laughter warm-ups? Okay. This one's just a call and response to get our bodies to the laughter. Mm-hmm. So just repeat after me. Ha. Ha. Ha, ha. Ha, ha. Ho. Ho, 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 he, 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 ha, 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 oh my god, <laughs> I'm like a little bit nervous right now, <laughs> but I love it. <laughs> so those were some laughter warm-ups, and now we'll actually do a laughter exercise, so we're gonna, we're gonna clap two times to our right with a ho, ho, 
do I do this with you? So like, ho, ho. Yeah. Ho, ho. And then we're going to clap three times to the left with a ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. So, and then we're just going to combine it. So it's going to go ho, ho, ha, ha, ha. Ho, ho, ha, ha, ha. Ho, ho, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> so it's, it's really that simple. You could do something like that. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a huge, you know, bank of, of laughter exercises, but that's just one of them. But the reason why we do these voluntary laughter exercises is because our bodies actually can't tell the difference between voluntary laughter and real laughter. So studies have shown this. So it's, it, you know, it's backed up by science, actually. So studies have shown that our bodies can't tell the difference between simulated laughter and real laughter. And if we practice voluntary laughter for at least 10 to 15 minutes a day, that's how it reaps all the health benefits. So some of the health benefits of laughter include reduced stress, helps our nervous system and then it also boosts our immune system so you know especially with covid you know we could all use an immunity boost. so it helps with that and again as i mentioned earlier it sparks it activates the right side of our brain so it sparks our creativity and innovation and all of that so you know even at work um, and that's part of the reason why i teach laughter yoga at businesses is because it really helps in the workplace to help employees de-stress it, and you know it helps with like team camaraderie and also it helps with productivity and innovation with with everything that they're doing at work that's so good and this is like the perfect transition um <laughs> one last thing so just to confirm what we just did the ho ho ha 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 exercise like the brain is actually thinking that we're actually laughing yes whoa okay yeah and and especially when you're when you when you start to do it um especially in groups like it just becomes it becomes natural laughter like just hearing everyone's laugh just seeing people laugh like the simulated laughter turns into real laughter and even if you do it at home you know sometimes i'll do it by myself in front of the mirror and i start off as a fake laugh it ends up being a real laugh even when i'm by myself (laughs) Mm. (laughs) yeah I just I was gonna say another fun tip that I've learned you know especially while we have shelter in place right now I started laughing while cleaning especially when I vacuum because I I usually listen to music when I vacuum Mm -hmm. but I I can't really hear the music as I'm vacuuming so I use that as an opportunity to just laugh like so I get my laughter in like my daily dose of laughter as I'm vacuuming so (laughs) wow you can laugh really loud too right (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh that's amazing and what I love is just from seeing your videos how carefree you seem like there is really this feeling like I'm just in my world and I'm having so much fun and whatever other people think of me like it's fine and I feel like that just makes a such big difference when someone takes on that um, in their lives. I'm just thinking about all of the other things, all of these are possible if, you know, we don't care about what other people think and stuff like that. That is a great question. And, you know, that is actually, I attribute this carefree attitude to laughter yoga. Mm. Before I wasn't like this, I was very self-conscious. I, I struggled with confidence, all of that. Um, I was, you know, I was one of those women who was afraid to speak up in meetings and I was so shy as a kid. I was really shy. 
And laughter yoga really helped me with that. It helped build my confidence. It helped with authenticity. It helped with speaking my truth and sharing my voice. And that's actually, that's a huge motivator as to why I have this laughter yoga career now is because I want to help women, especially, especially Asian women, speak their truth and vocalize. Like the more power you bring to your laugh, it easily transfers to your words and your voice in real life. So again, it's like, it's, it, you know, it, it all, it all adds up like the laughter yoga practice, like the more you practice sharing your voluntary laughter and just being comfortable in your own skin, just being loud with your laugh, <laughs> like, ah, oh, like, yeah. After that, like, talking and expressing your truth with words out in the real world becomes so much easier. I really believe that laughter yoga has so much power. So yes, thank you for bringing that up. Because, you know, for everyone listening out there, I was a very, very shy, self-conscious person. That's <laughs> that amazing. I could have never imagined it because I think it's so easy for someone to and like me too, I fall into this pattern of thinking like, oh, Jenna is in laughter yoga it's because she's already so good at laughing and like not caring what other people think and that's why she's in laughter yoga you know and so it's just always so beautiful to see the transformation and seeing like oh my gosh that's absolutely possible and that's a great thing about the laughter yoga too is because when you create that space especially in a group of of people doing laughter yoga it's really a judge-free you know a judgment-free zone So, you know, I start off each class by telling people, like, drop all the judgments and expectations. So I think that allows people to really show their authentic self and just be who they are and really tap into their inner child. As opposed to, you know, in the workplace, we kind of, we feel like we have to act a certain way or we have to say the right thing. So there's a lot of left brain activation. And I... I just, I love creating this safe space of laughter yoga because people get to practice activating that right side of the brain. And the more that you practice and can be in community of laughter, you get to activate the right side more and more and more. And the more that you activate it, it becomes easier to do it when you're around people that are in the workplace or out in the real world. Yeah, I think I I can just imagine how much it helps people to come out of their shells and give them permission to have that childlike play. And yeah, so how, so before we move on to how you got your first clients, I'm curious, you know, when you took the training from the teacher, you're like, I'm going to be a laughter um, yoga teacher, yogapreneur. What thoughts did you have as a career, you know, because I feel like for someone with an Asian background, like, that just may seem really out of the blue, not stable, you know, so yeah, what was your thought process like? So I do believe I'm a little bit different when it comes to this. I think it is because my mother passed away again, like, I think just, just seeing how her life, you know, got taken away, I was like, I can't, I can't just have a normal job that doesn't make me happy like I want to be able to make a career or like to to have something that really does bring me joy like I want to be able to say like every day I do something that I love and so um I will have I do say I will say though my dad was really worried 
you know, he did have talks with me and he told me he was worried. He had no idea <laughs> what lactose <laughs> was, you know, yeah. he, he kind of, um, he never pressured me to do anything else, but you know, he, he was worried. And there were moments when, um, you know, after when I, when I actually, when I left Facebook, I actually went back to school and started taking science classes because I didn't know what I wanted to do. I, I changed roles and companies so many times and in between each, each, each job, I, you know, I did have a little mini crisis. I was like, okay, what am I going to do next? I don't know what I'm going to do next. So I, I did go back to school for a little bit to take some science classes so that I could do something in the medical field because I thought that was, you know, the smart thing to do, the responsible thing to do. Um, but it's actually funny because, um, oh, sorry, this was actually before this was, oh no, this was actually after box my first job. Um, it was before Facebook and it, again, it was the universe. I was in my class. I remember I was in a physics class. <laughs> oh, I, gosh. Yeah. I, I didn't even come prepared <laughs> for this physics class. I didn't know. I forgot that you, you needed a calculator. <laughs> You're like, I'm just here. To yeah, I, I brought my notebook and my, my pen and you know, the teacher was asking us to do calculations and I was like, oh, wow, I forgot to bring, you know, back in the day we had, I had my TI-89 calculator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, wow, I forgot. Cause you know, I had already been out of college for so many years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but, and then I, you know, I was like, there's no way I could do these calculations on my phone. So, you know, mm -hmm. I, was, I was trying to use my cell phone calculator. Oh and I just, I ended up checking my email because I kind of checked out of class and uh -huh. I, I was still physically sitting in the classroom, but I checked my email and I got, um, I got a response from Facebook asking for an interview. So wow. Like, oh my gosh. Thank you, universe. I do not <laughs> want to be in this physics class. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to prepare for my Facebook interviews. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, you know, I think for me, I've just always been like a risk taker and I, I think it's also partly because I'm the youngest child. Like I've always had, I've had like this free spirited, like risk taker, you know, attitude mentality. Um, but, but given that I am Asian, you know, yeah, I, I do feel pressure from my family to make a lot of money and like to be successful. Um, but I've, I've learned to just create my own definition of that. In my eyes now, like I am successful because I'm doing what I love. You know, I am abundant and you know, just everything you, everything you think is what you create in life. And so, you know, even if it's not my father's definition of success, it doesn't even matter because what matters is that I'm happy and that I know I'm successful. Oh, oh my gosh. I love that. This is so good, especially, you know, it's Asians redefining their success. So I love that we touched on this, this part. Yeah. I also want to mention is I actually did have a conversation with my dad about this mm -hmm. um, because he did, we know we, he was worried about me and he, I think with the language barrier, you know, English isn't his first language. So the way it came out was really hurtful to me. He pretty much said like, oh, you're not as successful as your sister. I have an older sister who does work in the medical field and she got married right away, had kids and, you know, has a house and all that. So, you know, he, he was comparing me to my sister and I kind of just broke down and cried. I was like, oh my gosh, dad, like, you don't think I'm successful just because I'm not married, just because, you know, I don't have a stable job. 
And I, I communicated to him though, you know, I told him, you know, my definition of success is different. Um, and at that time I had traveled the world and you know, I was telling him that's my definition of success. Like I got to see the whole world. Like I got to learn so much about other cultures. Like I feel so rich in life and in all the relationships and people that I've met, like I feel so abundant in all these things. Like it's not about money. It's not about owning a house. It's not about, you know, being married and having kids. You know, like everyone has a a different definition of success. So for everyone out there, you know, I really encourage you to maybe sit down and think about what is your definition of success? You know, don't let anyone define that for you. Like you have the power to create your own success and define your own success. Mm, That's so good. We could just enter, we could just end it right here, but we will continue. (laughs) Yeah, because there's like, defining your definition of success and then actually going after it too. So I'm curious for you, how did you get your first clients? Like, how did you make this into a career? Yeah, I pretty much just started telling all my friends. And luckily, you know, I spent 10 years working at tech companies. So most of my friends still worked at these amazing tech companies. So I would just pitch it to them. I used my sales and marketing (laughs) skills that I learned working it in tech and I pitched it to my friends and I just you know asked around you know are, are you having a team offsite soon or is your is your company interested in laughter yoga mm. and a lot of my friends were nice enough to bring me into their companies so that's how I got started and I even just started meeting a lot of younger friends and some of those friends were in college so I would go to their college college campuses and teach laughter yoga there Um, I find that it's really helpful for college students around, you know, midterms and finals. So many ways and reasons to laugh more. Um, But that's how I got started. I just utilized my own personal network. Mm, Yeah, that's so good. It's like, yes, you may have left, you know, your job at Box and Facebook and other startups, but it doesn't mean that your past experiences were a waste and that you were able to bring that into this new career and, you know, work with Pinterest, LinkedIn, Salesforce, General Academy, so many amazing companies. Can you share a little bit about how you pitched your services? Because I feel like that's something that would be so, so helpful for the listeners, especially if they don't quite know how to go about it, because I actually wrote a guide on how to email or just like reach out to people over cold email or LinkedIn. And that was really popular. And I think this will be really helpful if you could share some of the mindset or strategy for pitching. For me, I like to focus on what a company struggles with. So for me, like I know companies struggle with keeping their employees happy. They want help their employees de-stress. They want to make sure that their employees stay innovative. So I use those as my selling points. And then also just sharing a lot from my own personal experience. You know, I wanna, or for me, it's all about human connection. So I want to share that humanity in me too. Like I used to work in tech. I know what it's like to be in your shoes. Like I used to be stressed. Like I was diagnosed with repetitive stress syndrome Um, you know I I dealt with depression and anxiety from losing my mom when I was 15 so just examples of of how you're a human and how how you can help you know address what their needs are 
Mm, yeah, that's so good. And did you experience imposter syndrome when you first started teaching? I know you kind of felt that for yoga, but what about for laughter yoga? Not as much, but I still did. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I still do today. I don't want to say that it ever it went away and I don't know if it'll ever go away, um, <laughs> <laughs> but that's part of being human. You know, we all experience imposter syndrome. Um, I, I still remember my first, I think the one that I was most nervous about was um, teaching at Salesforce, actually. Uh-huh. <laughs> and yeah, I was so nervous. Um, but once you're in there, or once I was in there, like, uh, it, it all just melted away. Um, I think for me, I get more nervous before this, the class starts. But once starts the nervousness goes away and I'm I'm sure you might have heard this but you know they say that um, nervousness and being excited is like the same thing like excitement and fear is the same thing you know the reason why you're so nervous and fearful is because you care so just know that you're scared and you're nervous for a reason and that reason is because you you're just so passionate about what you're about to do and you care about it so that's a good thing good that you're good that you're scared like if you're not scared and not nervous then that means you're not challenging yourself and you're not you're probably not doing something that that will really make an impact for other people yeah yeah that's true one of my favorites is fear is excitement without the breath (laughs) Ooh, I like that one I've actually never heard that with the with the yeah well now you, now you know <laughs> now I know <laughs> so for like a first time entrepreneur how would you go about in terms of getting their first client you know like marketing or selling because I feel like for the longest time for me too I actually worked in marketing for five years and I hated it and so I was like I'm never gonna market again and that was actually a big hurdle for me when I first started my coaching business because I had such an aversion to marketing right and then I thought that sales has to be really icky and stuff like that and I just totally learned a different way where marketing is basically you're just sharing your information you're just leaving breadcrumbs for people to come to you and sales is really just serving you know you're just saying like hey this is how I can help you so this is like a totally different alternative model of how marketing how I thought marketing and sales needed to be. So I'm curious for you, what would you recommend for, especially with your, you know, background, what would you recommend for like a first time entrepreneur? So I kind of, I I agree with you with that. So, you know, I have a marketing background too, but it actually is really, I find it harder to sell and market my own products and services. Like it's harder to sell yourself (laughs) compared to other people. And yes, (laughs) It is hard. So I think my biggest piece of advice is actually to get help. Mm. And I really struggled with that. You know, I think as Asian American women too, we feel like we have we have to be these, we try to be these independent women who don't need help. Mm-hmm. We should like, I'll figure it out. I've always figured it out. So yeah, I'm just going to tough it out. Yeah. And as you know, when I was first starting out with this business, I didn't really have that much. I didn't have a budget to hire someone. So Luckily, I had a, a, my best friend actually went to business school and she gave me a lot of help and advice. So I think that was a huge gift. So my, I guess my piece of advice is just, again, use your, use your network of friends. See if there's anyone out there who could give you marketing and, and sales advice, um, you know, or even just um, like coming up with your marketing plan or your sales plan and having someone review it, like get feedback from someone. 
when you're when you're doing it for yourself, it's so hard to see the blind spots. Biggest piece of advice is to get help. And then once you do have more, when you do have a budget to hire an actual business coach, I highly suggest that too. So I actually just started working with a business coach this year. Awesome. So I, yeah, I launched my laughter yoga business at the beginning of 2019. And now it's mid <gasps> mid 2020. And I just started working with her and she's amazing. And um, I'll give her a little shout out. Her name is Leslie, but she has um, an astro it's an astrology business program. And I'm just so into astrology. So I feel like she speaks my language. And just having her has helped me a lot. So I think that's just another piece of, of advice that I would love to share is, you know, taking that leap. And I think with business, it's also like giving and receiving, like it's all just an energy exchange. And so the more that you invest in people and other things, so like me investing in, in this program and me trusting that this person can help me, like even though I'm putting a lot of money to pay for this program, trusting the universe that it'll all come back like it'll all come and go yeah I totally second that also I'm so surprised that you launched in 2019 I feel like you've been doing it way longer <laughs> <laughs> well yeah I actually well I started teaching in 2016 but I I didn't take that big leap to really do it full-time and to start my business until 2019 Again, you know, it took me, you know, 2016, 17, like three years, yeah, three years to really have that confidence to do it. Mm. And then were you doing part-time stuff between the three years or? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I actually, I, I dabbled into voice acting and acting for a little bit too. Interesting. You know, I kind of, I was just experimenting with all these different careers. And that's another thing that I would have to say, um, I would, I would, highly encourage you know especially people in their 20s who are kind of worried about you know what to do next it's like oh stop worrying I think because you know I'm turning 35 this year and if, if, if I were to talk to my 20 you know my 25 year old self I would tell her oh you know you have so much time <laughs> yeah seriously <laughs> so young. and you know you're constantly changing every day like my interests change all the time and it's just about trying things and not being afraid to try things um, so I spent about two years you know taking voice acting and acting classes and I loved it you know just like experimenting and then at the end of it I found out that I didn't like it as much and that's okay and I think that's why I really am even more passionate about teaching yoga because I kind of like I crossed off the acting thing off my list but I wouldn't have known that if I didn't try so it's really all about trying yeah, or else you keep wondering. <laughs> mm -hmm. I love, yeah, I love that you didn't go in with an all or nothing approach, right? Like, oh, this voice acting has to work or or I have to make sure it's, it leads to a certain result before I try. You're just like, hey, let me just try out, see it for myself. And instead of putting off in a distant future and then one day regretting not doing it. And, and yeah, you're <laughs> you, honestly, when you're talking, I was just thinking like, wow, her voice sounds really, really nice. <laughs> <laughs> so you have that too now <laughs> so another thing I wanted to mention is so even so I came back from you know, my seven month trip in 2017 after my yoga teacher training and I did the laughter yoga training I actually went back to tech for a little bit mm. again because I, I think out of fear I was afraid to really teach yoga and 
start a career in. But this time I went to the company I worked for. It was a it was still in a technology space, but it was for yoga and meditation. You know, just finding ways to to bridge the gap between your passions. Because I, I still thought that I wanted to work in tech. I wasn't like for sure. I didn't really rule it off my list because, you know, you do make a lot of money working in tech. <laughs> yeah. work in tech, but maybe it would be cool to work at a, a yoga and meditation tech company. So I tried it. And again, after trying it, you know, it helped me really cross off tech off my list. I just, I didn't like working in an office. I think that's the thing. I didn't like having set hours. Like I, ha you know, you pretty much have to work, you know, either nine to five or like 10 to six, you know, around that time. And for me, I, I loved creating my own hours. I knew I wanted to make my own schedule. I wanted to be location independent. That was really important to me. So I knew that working in an office just wasn't for me. Knowing what you want and what you don't want is a huge thing too. Yeah, oh, just dropping such good advice everywhere. <laughs> and I think that's one of the reasons why like you're so confident about what you're doing and like knowing that it's right for you. And I asked, I get asked this question a lot from people I talk to and clients is like, what should I do with the next step? Or like, how do you know what's the right thing? And it's just like, you just have to try Like that's literally the only way that you can know, like how I know that coaching is just you know, so good for me right now is because I tried it. Like before this, I did a lot of experiments, tried a lot of things similar to you. I would do these monthly projects. I tried out writing. I tried out um, making videos, like editing wedding videos, like so random, right? I tried out teaching dance for a month and, you know, teaching friends thinking that, oh, I, I need to learn dance for five years before I could teach someone. And then I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to go for it. I teach a friend for a month, realize I didn't like it. And wow, I just saved like five years. <laughs> yeah. I like to think that we're all scientists. Life is just an experiment. Yeah, I love that. So for you, oh, and you might have already um, answered this question, but what would you say is the one thing that helped you the most in navigating your career change? It would have to be my yoga teacher training. Mm. That was even before I wanted to be a yoga teacher. I actually didn't go into my yoga tra I didn't go I didn't sign up for the yoga teacher training wanting to be a yoga teacher. I I did it for personal development and that yoga teacher training just helped me learn so much about myself as a person. You know, it, for me it wasn't about the yoga poses it was really just about learning about myself and connecting with my breath. So I think that's what really helped me. Like, I think the, the not I think, I know. <laughs> the more you connect with your breath, like the more you're able to tap into your truth. And once you really know who you are and what you want, that helps you navigate life and it helps you navigate whatever career path you're on. And again, you know, it's not a linear path too, so just trusting, trusting, trusting life. Jenna was waving her arms <laughs> and going back and forth on the video. <laughs> <laughs> the yoga training, it was, you said 300 hours, right? It, it was a 200 hour. 200. How, how many days is that? The 21 day intensive. So it was a three week training. Yeah. And it was really, really digging deep into yourself. Yeah. Mm. So for those out there who don't know about yoga teacher trainings, um, 
it, it really is like it's really a personal development course it's not I mean you do learn yoga poses and you learn yoga philosophy but it's so much more than that mm. and were you able to learn so much about yourself just from concentrating on your breath like what, what kind of happened there what what's like one thing you learn about yourself well I think it's also because we would meditate every day so I think that's so it might have just been meditation <laughs> um, just like sitting with yourself and noticing noticing your patterns so that's what I've noticed and really learned about myself were my patterns and learning what patterns work and what patterns don't work and if they don't work finding other ways to to shift those patterns and shift the beliefs so I also think mm. the whole belief thing learning yes. learning you know all the inherited beliefs too because asking yourself like where did these beliefs come from was it from my family was it from you know society mm. challenging dismantling all those beliefs and just starting so I think that's what the yoga teacher training did for me it dismantled all of my beliefs and I was able to just create my new belief system and new values and really live by them after I was able to dismantle the ones that weren't working for me or that I didn't believe in Mm, that is so good I feel like for myself I had to unlearn a lot of beliefs as a coach and especially working with Asian American clients we're definitely unlearning a lot of things um, helping them do that I'm curious for you what's a belief that you had to unlearn hmm so many you know uh right (laughs) (laughs) a belief that I had to unlearn one of them was Right. Well, one that really resonate resonates with me right now is it, it's it involves family. So like believing that my my dad is like really my dad, like this, oh. this is like kind of really spiritual, but like you know society kind of tells you like oh this is this is your your parent figure like your parent has authority over over you your parent teaches you all these things but it's like no we're actually just souls <laughs> and you know even though i'm his daughter i can teach him things too i can help him unlearn things like i can mm. i can provide and do all these things like just cuz he's my father doesn't mean that he has to like be my be my father in in a traditional sense that's really interesting so i'm i'm trying I'm I'm dismantling the whole I guess the roles of family the parental roles the the child roles like these are all just roles that society places on us yeah and it's like kind of like characters that we are playing too mm-hmm. that's really good stuff there <laughs> wow Yeah, I think especially since I think a lot of us have um, interesting relationships with our parents and a lot of it is because like there's certain expectations, us on them and vice versa. So it's just really interesting to think about like, oh, these are like characters that we're playing and it's totally possible to shift the role and the relationship. And on the topic of kind of um, looking back, what would you say was a favorite career resource or book for you? Ah, yes. Um, one of my favorites, it's called You Are a Badass at Making Money. <gasps> Mine too. <laughs> I actually just sent a client this book. 
because it's so good. It, oh my God, it changed so much for me. It does. Yeah, because it's all about money beliefs. Because I think that's a huge part of it as, a, as an entrepreneur or someone's, you know, creating their own path in, in, in life as with career stuff. It's all about money mindset. So yeah. It's been a huge game changer for me. Do you have a favorite one that you want to share? I can go first. Um, for, for me, it was, I think I had this belief around money that, um, like if I got a lot of money, I would be really like snotty and not down to earth anymore. So like money was like bad in my mind. So I had that belief holding me back for a while because, you know, belief wise, there was a subconscious part of me that like didn't want to make money because I wanted to stay down to earth and I wanted to stay kind. And it's just so interesting how that drives our actions. For me, one one big one is I used to believe that money would break up relationships or would cause conflict with people. So my family, from a personal experience, my I received inheritance money or all of the grandchildren received inheritance money from our grandparents. And it actually, like there was just a lot of fighting kind of going on with with. Yeah. So I kind of grew up believing that money causes conflict and money breaks families apart. So Mm. yeah, in the past, I was afraid to make money because I was afraid that it would break up my relationships with people. So that's a huge one that I had to let go of. And now I've reframed it to money creates beautiful experiences with family. I actually the more money I have, like the more experiences I can create and share with people. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is so, so good. And lastly, to wrap up, what concrete, parting concrete advice do you have for those who are listening right now and they're debating whether they should go for that less traditional career? I would say trust yourself. Mm. You know, it's so simple, but it's also very hard to do. <laughs> Yeah, self-trust is actually something that needs to be cultivated over time is what I found. Like it's like a practice in itself. Yeah, like really just believing in yourself, believing that you can do it. Like nobody is going to believe in you as much as you. So you have to be Mm. the one to believe in yourself, especially if you want to start your own business. Nobody is going to understand why you're doing it as much as you. So you have to fight for it. I like to think of my business as my baby. Yes, yes. I have to nurture it. You know, you're the one growing it. You're the one birthing this business. You're the one, you know, birthing this new career path. You're the one birthing it. And so after you birth it, you really have to nurture it and support it and care for it and protect it. So good. And and a final question, where can we find you for your classes or your coaching? Yes, uh, my website is probably the best place. Um, it's Jenna Pasquale, and that's J-E-N-N-A-P, P as in Paul, A-S-C-U-A-L.com. And also Instagram. I use Instagram the most out of all of the social media Um platforms and it's just at jenna pasquale cool i'll definitely make sure to link that below and jenna thank you so much for such a beautiful light-hearted laughter-filled conversation this has been really great and just hearing about your experience your stories there's so many goodies here and i'm sure everybody got a lot out of it and a lot of laughter from this <laughs> 
Thank you too. I, it's so amazing what you're doing, especially for Asian American women. I feel like there's not enough of this for this Asian community or Asian American women. So many goodies in this episode, right? If you can think of one person who would find today's message really helpful on their career journey, please, please share the episode with them. It can make a huge difference. And as a big thank you for being here, one of the most common questions that I get is, how do I get started in a creative career? And so I put together a free guide that you can use to start taking steps towards a creative career you love through a side project. You can get that creative side project guide for free in our Instagram bio at The Arts Podcast. Enjoy and see you in two weeks.